Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I am doing fantastic because my kids started back to school this week in person. And so far, praise the Lord, it's going well. Um, I was kind of anxious about it. So anxious. I didn't even realize it. But after I dropped them off on Monday, I went on my walk and I just started bawling. I was like, wow, I guess I had a little more pent up stress and anxiousness about it than I thought, but I was, I cannot wait for them to get home Monday. And they were so happy. They were so happy to see their friends and be on somewhat of a, you know, normal routine. And they said that the masks were not that big of a deal. They didn't have to wear them every single minute of the day, mostly when they were transitioning, you know, as long as they were social distancing in a position to social distance, then they didn't have to wear them. And so they were fine with it. And so if they're fine with it and all is well, and they're happy, then mama is happy. And I am just praying that it continues and everybody stays safe and healthy. And I hope that is true for you and your kids as well. But as I was thinking about you know, back to school, you know, I just did the podcast episode where I was sharing some of the meals and supplements that I feed my family and give my kids. And I'm just still kind of in that vibe. And I was thinking about back to basics, you know, and thinking about how we stock our kitchens, and what is in our pantry and what in our fridge. And I thought it would be helpful to share that with you today, because there's something just so satisfying about having a kitchen stocked full of clean basics and everyday go-tos. It's like there's this world of possibility behind the doors of your fridge and your pantry when you keep it filled with good things. I love going to the grocery store. I know a lot of you don't, but I love going because it's kind of like shopping for me, like regular clothes shopping. Like I could go to the mall and be like, oh, there's so much possibility here. I could look like a totally different person with just the right outfit, you know? And when I walk into the grocery store, I'm like, I can make a whole new body in here. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, there's just so many beautiful foods that if you get what you need, it's like you can just transition your body, make your body what you want it to be. We've all heard that saying that abs are made in the kitchen. Well, so is your skin and your heart and your brain. There's just like this whole new body being waited, waiting to be shaped and created by the foods that you eat. And if you think about it, the things in your fridge and your pantry are the makings of your body composition and health. And so when you think about it that way, I hope it gets you a little bit more motivated, excited, and just really seeing that possibility and wanting to really stock your kitchen well. And so I'm gonna share, uh, just kind of roll through a list with you today of some basics and maybe some extra things, give you some brand names. Please remember that 
I mean, one of the reasons I love to go to the grocery store is because I just love to peruse all the new things that are out, whether it's different supplements or different foods uh, that are offered. I could spend hours and hours. When I go visit my mom in Houston, I mean, I have to go to all the grocery stores and see all the things. But, you know, for the most part, I'm buying the things that are available to me at my uh, grocery store that I go to. And it's not, it's a pretty great grocery store, but it's not, you know, like a bougie Whole Foods or something like that. So just know that most of the things you can find um, at your grocery store, or you might have to shop around a little bit or shop online and that kind of thing. But at least this will give you an idea. And everything that I'm going to share with you today, I will, as always, put it in the podcast notes which means that if you go to the christiannutritionist.com, go to the podcast section and click on epi- this episode, Stocking Your Fridge and Pantry, we'll have all the show notes there. But I think what I'll also do is make a blog post out of it, kind of like I did for feeding um, what I feed my kids, you know, the food and supplements I feed my kids. I made a blog post out of that just for extra easy reference. And so if you go to my website, search these things, they should come up pretty easily. And you can use that as a good resource. Okay. All right, so let's get started. When we think of going to the grocery store, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this advice, but it's good. And it still stands that shopping the perimeter of the store is where you're going to find the healthiest items for the most part, because that's where all the fresh and perishable things are right. Now we do have the freezer section typically in the middle. Um, but it's, you know, around the edges where all the good stuff lies. And it's kind of in the middle, all the middle aisles where the carbohydrate bombs are. It's like the minefield of overcarbing yourself. That's where a lot of the processed foods are. It's where those foods that trip us up and tempt us and all that stuff. So the less we are in the middle, the better. The more we're on the outskirts, the perimeter of the store, the better. And you may not even go to the store anymore. I know a lot of people are starting to order online and do pickup. I think that's awesome. Not me. I just I like to get in there and look like I said. Uh, but anyway, this would might be really helpful for you, especially um, as you listen to it. And then as you go and look at the notes and the blog post, and you'll have it all right there. If you're making your order, you can just kind of have this up and it might help you shop a little easier. And um, get some good stuff on your list. Okay, let's start with the fresh foods then. And let's start with vegetables and fruits, because that's where we start in the Bible, right with our foods, Genesis 129, God gives us plant foods. And so we'll start with produce. And one thing to know is that you really want to eat twice as many vegetables as you do fruit. Okay, I know that there's that kind of blanket advice to get like, you know, five servings of vegetables and fruits a day. Um, but really, we want to be focusing more on vegetables, because they are mostly, you know, have less natural sugar in them. Uh, they're a little bit less dense, uh, carbohydrate wise, not always. But in a lot of cases, you know, when we're in feast to fast, and oh, which is, you know, we're, we're actually just wrapped up week one of Feast of Fast. And so we did real food carbs week when we're focusing on vegetables and fruits. And it's amazing when you go in and you're keeping track of your carbs to realize how the carbs add up pretty quickly when you're eating fruit. 
And so you get a lot more carbohydrate bang for your buck when you're sticking to the veggies. And so that is my advice on that. The other thing that we want to think about when we're buying our veggies and fruits is, you know, how clean are they? Have they been sprayed and drenched with a bunch of pesticides? You know, because pesticides will interrupt the health of your body can, you know, lead to brain and nervous system toxicity, hormonal disruption, it can contribute to cancer. Pesticides can do some bad stuff to the body. And I know that, you know, a lot of us, we kind of blow this off. If you listen to the podcast I did, The Liver Bucket, you know, I just reminded you that it's the accumulation of all of these things that we do that kind of whop our bodies upside the head, right? I mean, we, we might be like, oh, it's just a little dirty pest, you know, pesticide on my apple here. It's just a regular strawberries here. It's just a little, little lotion here. It's just a little, you know, Windex here, <laughs> whatever it is. But it's all those things in a day's time that accumulate in the body that really contribute and start pushing our body to rebel, you know, like I said, in that episode, a lot of us think, you know, we start hitting our 40s and 50s and just think our body's breaking down. But a lot of the time, it's like, your body is like, girl, I'm so over you, whatever, with all of these things you've been doing to me these years, your liver is just bogged down and burdened, and it can't detoxify well, and all these things, you know, are just have accumulated. And you're finally feeling the effects of that. Because yeah, it's a little here, a little there, but it builds up. And then one day your body just can't take it anymore and everything hurts and you're extra tired and we're contracting these, you know, illnesses and chronic conditions and all of this stuff. So, okay, that's my little spiel on that. All right. So just, you need to know that pesticides are a real thing and they're not a real thing that's good for our body. And so what you can do is the EWG, the Environmental Working Group, Every year, they put out a list called the Dirty Dozen and a list called the Clean 15. And the Dirty Dozen is the list with the top 12 dirtiest, most pesticide-y, toxic vegetables and fruits that they're, you know, you'll find at your supermarket. And on the other side of that, the Clean 15 are the, the cleanest vegetables and fruits that you will find. Um, and so what we want to really focus on is buying those dirty dozen. If there's anything on the dirty dozen that your family likes to eat a lot, that's what you want to focus buying organic. And it's nice to know that we don't have to buy everything organic, right? But um, especially when it comes to this dirty dozen list, you want to know what those are and you want to spring for organic if your budget allows. And so some of the things on the Dirty Dozen list include strawberries, spinach, kale, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, celery, potatoes. Um, and then they add a little bonus. I think this is 13, but uh, peppers. And that's important for my family because um, we eat a lot of you know, bell peppers, my kids eat a lot of that. We like hot peppers. And the EWG said both of those carry residues of neurotoxic chemicals. And, you know, that ain't no good. I'm trying to grow my little kid's brain, not put neurotoxic chemicals in there. 
And so those are some examples of things that you might want to buy organic. We also really, you know, we eat a lot of strawberries and apples around here. So I definitely spring for those. And then, oh, one other thing that they, when I was poking around on their website, they said was super dirty, like one of the dirtiest things are raisins. So there's an average of 13 different pesticide residue per sample when they were, you know, testing these foods and testing the raisins. They found 13 different pesticides present, and even the organic raisins had pesticide residue. And so that kind of stinks. You know, my kids love trail mix, and, you know, I like I said, I we love to make our own. Sometimes I, you know, get lazy and buy to the store because I'm a human mother. But a lot of times there's raisins in there, and if it's, you know, not organic, then it's going to be pretty dirty. So just something for you to think about. The clean 15 on that list are avocados, pineapple, onions, eggplant, asparagus, cauliflower, cantaloupe, broccoli, mushrooms, cabbage. So those are some on the clean 15. And like I said, those change, you know, annually. So check in there. You also want to think about the herbs that you buy. I know for me, it's important because I make a lot of pesto. I'm always like, hashtag pesto is the besto. It's one of my favorite way to get a really concentrated amount of greens. You can just, you know, I could just eat it, gobs of it, you know, just spoonfuls of it. I absolutely love it. But, you know, one of the things, well, I make it out of all greens, not just basil. I'll use spinach, arugula, parsley, cilantro. I love, I like, I call it like my Texas pesto. It's like cilantro and pecans, just so delicious. But like the EWG says, um, the pesticide profile in cilantro is similar to spinach and kale, which are on the dirty dozen list. And so that is one that I definitely step up and buy organic as well. When it comes to um, produce and these more natural plant foods, you want to think about genetically modified foods. Um, When something says GMO, that means that it has been genetically modified it has been engineered in a lab for different reasons it's you know meant to grow grow larger hardier able to able to survive pesticides um and so that's why gmo corn is called a roundup ready you know it's like got this internal um way that it can uh, the plant cannot be harmed by um by the pesticides that are sprayed on it and so you know you don't want genetically modified food. Um, they're doing more studies on it, but there, there's, it is not proven safe. I will just say that. Okay. Um, there's a lot of concern of the way that it affects the microbiome, the bacteria in your body. And we know that gut bacteria, since we are more bacteria than we are uh, human cells, that's kind of important that we have, you know, that we're supporting good bacteria in our body and ingesting these genetically modified foods are not helpful. So definitely corn and soy, unless it says non-GMO, then you can assume it's GMO for the most part. Um, Also, zucchini, yellow squash, and beets are commonly genetically modified. And so you want to, for any of these foods, you want to look for non-GMO or organic, okay, to avoid these GMOs. I mean, genetically modified, that just doesn't sound right. Who wants food that's been genetically modified? 
Sounds like a science experiment, which it is. Okay, so let's move from produce to these vegetables and fruits to the next thing in the Bible from Genesis 9-3. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So now we have been given animal sources of food. And so truly, y'all, our ultimate diet is plant food and animal foods straight from the earth. Okay? I mean, if we had to eat ideally, that is what we're looking to do. Now, when it comes to our meat, our fish, you know, our poultry, ideally, it's best to buy animal sources that are 100% grass-fed or pasture-raised or wild-caught as your budget allows. You know, what we're looking for here is that the animals ate their ultimate natural diet, okay? Just like we want to eat our ultimate natural diet, the, our God-given diet, we want the animals to have eaten their natural God-given diet as well for them to be healthy. And when they do, they pass on more nutrients to us. We have to remember, you know, you are what you ate, ate. So if your beef, if the cattle have eaten a bunch of genetically modified corn and soy, which is what conventional cattle are fed, that is what is being passed on to you. Now, our cattle, is that their natural God-given diet to be given large amounts of genetically modified corn and soy? No, <laughs> just like it's not ours either. And so, you know, they're not, they're most in their most healthy, robust state when we buy them like that. I mean, they're meant to eat grass, right? Out there in the grass. We can't eat grass, but cattle can eat grass and they can convert it into all of these beautiful nutrients that they pass along to us. It is just this beautiful design by our creator. The earth nourishes the animal and the animal nourishes us right? But we want those animals to be eating their God-given diet. And we also want those animals humanely raised. We want, you know, these happy animals like roaming in their pastures or like the chickens, you know, rain, roaming freely and pecking on worms and little grasses and seeds and all that kind of stuff. You know, we want fish eating what they're supposed to be eating and not farm-raised fish that are eating, you guessed it, genetically modified corn and soy. Okay. I don't know the last time that you saw corn and soy floating around the lakes and the oceans for the fish to eat, but uh, that doesn't seem natural to me. And so again, it compromises their health, which can in the long run compromise our health. It's just not getting the most bang for our buck when it comes to animal sources of food. And so yes, these can be a little bit more expensive. Um, but it's a place that if your budget allows to step it up a little bit, you know, um, if you look for a lot, you know, a lot of us just think about going to the store, but you can seek out your local farmer or rancher. Hello, if you're around here, you can seek my husband out. <laughs> um, we really try to keep our prices reasonable. Um, so it is affordable for people to have, you know, it is a little bit more expensive. I know for us, it takes, you know, it takes three years to grow out one steer for processing. And that's a long time, you know, and then, and so you only get so much meat out of that. But 
I don't want to get into uh, I should invite him on here one time and we should have a conversation about this but just know that it's it's a little you know it takes a little more time it's a little bit uh, it's just a little bit more investment for a rancher to grow out these healthy animals and so that's why it's a little more expensive but um, if you seek out your local farm and ranchers um, a lot of times it's going to be a better price than you can get at the store so you do want to stock your fridge with lots of beautiful animal source proteins you know of course your your beef and your chicken and your fish your you know your seafood um but some you can look for and try some different things like bison and duck and uh, goat or lamb or game meats you know or if you have the opportunity if any people in your life like to go hunting it's very common and popular uh, in rural areas like here but deer meat is really healthy you know they're out there roaming roaming the pastures also and doing what they're eating what they're supposed to eat and so all of these things um, are really good for the body when it comes to like processed meats like lunch meat or hot dogs or bacon you know, the same thing applies. Best purchase from grass-fed or organically fed animals. Now, when it says organically fed or vegetarian fed, well, those are not exactly the same. If it says vegetarian fed, well, that, you know, you can assume it's being fed ge genetically modified corn and soy. If it's organically fed, it's probably still eating corn and soy, but it's organic and non-GMO. So that's definitely a better, a step in the right direction, okay? Um, but, you know, when it comes to the kind of processed meats, quality, again, is key here. Uh, the better kind of animal it came from, the better for you. Um, and also, it's better if it's free of nitrates. And so you, it should say that on the package, um, nitrate free. And so some brands you can look for are Applegate Organics, Plainville Farms, Organic Prairie, and Peterson's. Okay. All right eggs kind of goes in here and eggs are just amazing I think I praise them a lot in the podcast I did about what I feed my kids so I won't overdo it but um they're just they're so nutrient packed and again the higher quality you get the more bang for your nutrition buck you get so pasture raised um, are going to be the best that means that chickens you know got to roam freely and forage on their natural diet which means they can uh, make these, these healthier eggs, which they pass on to you. And so a few brands that I've seen, and you know, I buy like Vital Farms, Nellie's is another good one. Of course, we mostly get our eggs from our own chickens, which is great. And you might have, again, local farmer, rancher, or even a neighbor that keeps chickens that you can um, get some from. So look into that. If you can't find, you know, eggs from pastured chickens, then organic is the next best thing. Again, that means they're fed non-GMO corn and soy. And so that would be better than just conventional. But again, you know, everybody's got a different budget. We're all in different places in our life. If all you can find is conventional, then girl, eating conventional eggs is better than eating some, you know, ego my Lego in the morning. So it's all relative and it's all... <laughs> could do the best we can do okay but it can be confusing when you're looking at eggs because um you know you'll see terms like natural well this goes for all the meats like natural i mean that doesn't mean jack you know what that means nothing 
it's just a nice feel good term to make you feel like it's natural. Um, even cage free is not saying much. I mean, a little chicken can be not in a cage, but like be so cram packed in next to its neighbor that it you know, has no room to turn its head. So again, pasture, think of open pastures and animals roaming. That's what we're looking for. Okay, dairy. When it comes to dairy, quality is key. Ultimately, ultimately, if you could get like the top dairy products, they would be grass fed, organic, and full fat. Okay, sometimes you can find grass-fed and organic. Sometimes you can find grass-fed or organic. But, you know, having that combination is awesome. And I always like to remind people that God did not make cows with low-fat udders. No, he did not. He did not make a skim udder, a 1% udder, a 2% udder. I'm over here squeezing my hands (laughs) like I'm squeezing udders. Uh, No, it all comes out full fat, right? That is how God made it. And God packaged fat soluble vitamins in fat in nature. They're called fat soluble vitamins for a reason. Okay, they are accompanied with fat. And so take something like, um, you know, a lot of times you'll see a milk, it's like fortified with vitamin D. Well, you know, a lot of, you know, if you just have this natural milk, it's going to have all of these natural vitamins and minerals with it. But the more you start interfering with it and taking fats out and, you know, the more we start jacking around with it, then manufacturers have to go back in and fortify these things, which means they have to add back in certain vitamins and, you know, nutrients like that. But if we just leave it alone and have it the way God made it, then we'd be, we'd be good. So, you know, I said ultimate grass fed, organic and full fat, also just kind of raw milk. I mean, if you can find raw milk straight off a farm, and it's a trusted source. Now that is awesome. That's like straight out the cow. Yo, I used to be able to get that around here um, from a lady. And we loved it. It was thick and creamy and delicious. Um, but you know, we haven't had dairy like that in a long time. And so we don't, we don't drink regular milk anymore. Um, and something to say about dairy is that it is one of the top allergens. It's very allergenic for many people, whether it is the lactose, which is the the sugar, you know, some people are lactose intolerant. Um, but also a lot of people are allergic to the proteins. You can only really be truly allergic to something if it's the proteins. And so the proteins in dairy are casein and whey. And some people can be allergic to both of them, one of them. Um, But that's really a lot of the uh, inflammatory problems when it comes to dairy. And so if you have nagging health issues, that's one that you might want to experiment with eliminating. That and gluten. I'm like, you got anything going on? You need to take those out for a while at separate times, or you can take them out at the same time, but then only reintroduce them separately because you're trying to figure out what it is that's affecting you. You know, if you've got a skin issue, if you are congested a lot, have a lot of, you know, snotty, sinusy, all that kind of stuff going on, um, dairy is definitely one you want to play with taking out. But when it comes to dairy, We want to, you know, in our fridge, of course, we want some real butter, 
don't be putting no grody margarine in there. That was like invented in the mid-1900s. That was an, an invention, right? It is concocted. It is a Franken food. It is not real food the way God made it. Get you some real butter. I like Kerrygold, which is grass-fed butter from Ireland or Organic Valley. Um, also, you know, for somebody that is dairy-free, you can get ghee. Ghee is butter that has been clarified where it's, it's taken the milk solids out. So the proteins are out and it's basically just pure fat. And so a lot of people that cannot tolerate dairy can tolerate ghee as their butter product. So you could try ghee. Um, and some good brands of that are, again, Organic Valley, um, Fourth and Heart's a good one. Okay, when it comes to milk and heavy cream, well, all of these, you know, just when it comes to, to all of these kind of milky products, yogurt, here are just some good brands. Again, all of this is going to be in the show notes. Organic Valley, Milking, Maple Hill Creamery, Strauss, Kelowna, um, you know, those are some good wins. With cheese, again, all the same things apply that it's better, you know, if you can find raw, that's great. It's usually pretty expensive. So I'm just going more for the organic um, cheese when I can. And so those are things to keep in mind when it comes to your dairy. Now there is a little, I'm gonna give you do a little sidebar here on some milk, because you may have seen it in the store. It's called a two milk. And um, well, it's just it's a little complicated. You like, <laughs> like it's complicated. And so it made me think of uh, Panic at the Disco. I love that song. Anyway, it's a little complicated. But like I said, the top three problems when it comes to milk for people are lactose, casein, and whey. Um, and so, but a lot of that has to do, when it comes to the casein protein, there are several variants to it. There's A1 and A2. Okay, those are the most predominant variants of casein protein. Now, most dairy in the in the U.S. is from Holstein cows, and their milk contains mostly A1 casein. And it's A1 um, is the casein protein linked with a lot of the health irritants and problems that we hear about when it comes to dairy. Okay, but many people can tolerate dairy that is higher in A2 than A1. And that would be milk from animals like a Jersey or, or Guernsey cattle. Also goat and sheep and camel, camel and buffalo milk. Okay, I know that sounds weird. Where are you going to pick up camel milk? But you'd be surprised. But anyway, so that is just a little variant. Um, if you see A2 milk at your store and you're trying to experiment with dairies and see what might work for you, then you might check out A2 dairy. Okay, so but let's talk about alternative dairy sources. Um, so there are a lot of options out there, you know, when it comes to milks, my family in general is not a milk chugging type family, as it is. Um, my kids, we might use some for granola, for they're having granola, or every once in a while, if I do buy them some kind of gluten free cereal, or we might need it for, you know, cooking or something like that, but they don't really drink a lot of milk. So typically, um, I will buy almond milk. 
Now, none of the plant milks are perfect unless you're making them yourself, okay? They, most of them have additives, stabilizer, natural flavors. You know, when you flip it over, it's not like it's just almonds and water for the most part. Um, there's all kinds of other stuff in there. So they're not perfect, but if you're not chug-a-lugging them, you know, a, a little is okay. Um, like I said, we mostly buy almond milk, but, you know, even with that, if you think of, of the context of how many almonds it takes to make almond milk, you know, and how many people use it now and the, the resources like water it takes to grow those almonds, it just seems disproportionate to nature. You know, I just, I try not to overdo that because it just feels wrong. It, this is a hard answer, y'all, you know, because if you can't have dairy milk and you want milk, there's just not that many that are perfect or, you know, ideal. There's very few, especially if you're just trying to go to your store and pick something up and take it home. Again, you can always make your own. You can make almond milk. You can make cashew milk. You can make any kind of nut milk, and that would be great um, if you are up for that. But, you know, here at the We're Not Perfect house, <laughs> in my house, usually I'm just picking up um, some almond milk. I might pick up some coconut milk, and sometimes I will pick up um, some pea protein milk. There's a brand called Ripple that a lot of moms like uh, because it's got it's high pretty high in protein and so I know a lot of moms are trying to get protein into their kids and so that's one again none of these are perfect but uh, those are the kind of the ones I go to and so like I said Ripple's one um, Califia Farms is a pretty good option for almond milk um, I really avoid soy for sure you know like I said Soy is genetically modified, but soy is also very estrogenic. Like I would not, I was about to say, I would not be giving that to my boys, but I would not be giving that to my girl either. You know, we don't need things that exacerbate um, estrogenic tendencies. And so just soy is estrogenic, you know, and so it's just not, it's got a lot of problems. Those are just a few actually that they're genetically modified and that it is estrogenic and there's soy just has a host of problems it can block mineral absorption there's just you know for the most part we try to avoid soy around here but I'm definitely not going to buy soy milk and I'm definitely not going to get a soy milk latte at Starbucks um, so I would go for almond or coconut milk I also avoid rice milk it's just kind of you know, not, I don't know. It's just not the best choice. There's not much to it. Um, there's oat milk out. There's, there's so many milks out there now, y'all, you know, oat milk could be a gluten cross contaminant. There's just no perfect option, like I said, but you just do the best you can. Um, try to get the cleanest that you can. When I, when it comes to my coffee though, I buy a coconut milk that's, I buy it off Amazon. It's called Aroy D coconut milk and it's just coconut milk and it's so thick like it's not one I would want to buy and pour over granola it's so thick and creamy I think if you drink too much of it it could hurt your belly but it is perfect in coffee I think it's a great alternative to like a half and half or something like that if you don't mind just a little bit it's not really strong in coconut flavor, but it, you know, it's a little bit coconutty, but I think it's delicious. And most people that I've shared that with and have tried it, they, they do like it. So uh, again, the links will be 
in the show notes and everything. Um, some other good kind of dairy alternative brands are Kite Hill, um, and they make some almond milk based products like cream cheese and yogurt, tree line cheese, which is a cashew based cheese. Uh, Koyo is a coconut milk based yogurt. So there's, you know, there's different kinds out there that you can, that you can get. But again, like I said, they're not perfect. Do the best you can. Okay, a few other things when it comes to beverages. You know, we'll talk about coffee in a minute, because I kind of put that in the pantry section. But um, things that go in your fridge, you know, just in general, water should be your top priority for what you're drinking. Uh, to calculate your daily water needs, a good thing to do is just take your weight that you are and divide it in half and shoot for that many ounces of water a day. Okay, so make sure you're doing that. But some other things you might want to keep around are um, if you're sick of plain water, maybe some mineral water, like some carbonated mineral water. Um, there are a couple brands that are higher in minerals than other. There's a brand called Gerolsteiner and then Pellegrino are higher in minerals than some of the other carbonated mineral waters. Um, but like around here, I'll also get Topa Chico. That's kind of local to me. You know, some of the flavored carbonated waters, you know, there's a there's a bunch out there now. And they all range in quality. The problem is with a lot of them, you'll see natural flavors in there. And that's just always a red flag. Sometimes it's okay. Like I, I remember digging into what it meant for natural flavors in LaCroix and they said it was like the natural essence of the oils or something like that you know and so yes we have some LaCroix around here is it could it be sketchy yes there might be some sketchy things some are better than others you can kind of google and try to see what their natural flavors mean but natural flavors can be a catch-all for like 300 different things I mean it just and it can vary so that's always a red flag. You don't want to be eating, drinking anything with, you know, too many natural flavors. I mean, you need to look at, again, the accumulate, the accumulation of your day. If you're having a lot of thing with natural flavors in it, that's going to be a problem. All right. Also for like my family, um, my kids love live soda which is like a kombucha. So kombucha is a kind of a nice alternative. A lot of the kombuchas have a lot of sugar in them though. So you need to kind of, you know, flip over the bottles and get the one with the lowest sugar content that you can find. But my kids love live soda. They take one in their lunch every day and um, they have different soda flavors like, you know, Dr. Pepper and Coke and Sprite and root beer. And so they really like those. Um, Okay, let's move on to the pantry because we've got a lot to talk about here. Um, when it comes to pantry staples, we want to stock our pantry with healthy oils. Y'all know this is like I always say, if you're going to listen to one piece of advice from me, make sure is that you have your healthy fats right. You know, you want your butter in the fridge, not your margarine, and you want a pantry full of beautiful, healthy oils. Um, it's just so important at a cellular level, you know, our cell membranes are made from fats. And so we want to make sure we have healthy fats. And I will tell you that I've been listening to looking into some people, well, listening to some podcasts, looking into some different research and stuff that says it's that these, these oils, I'm always telling you to avoid 
like canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, vegetable oil, cottonseed oil, um, you know, grapeseed oil, all of these oils that I'm telling you to avoid that it's the overconsumption of these that one are so inflammatory, but that are also contributing and creating insulin resistance. And so, you know, when it comes to this is like a whole different topic. I shouldn't, I shouldn't even be going here, but I can't help myself because it's kind of fresh in my brain because I've been listening to a lot of this lately. But, you know, when it comes to insulin resistance and we, you know, our first thought is carbs and absolutely, you, you know, if you're overeating carbs, that's going to be a problem. But if you're somebody that has, you know, lowered your carbs um, and you're still experiencing problems and can't lose weight or so inflamed if you haven't changed these oils man you you this is just non-negotiable okay non-negotiable you've got to get your oils right so let's talk about the good ones um again i'm just going to be going through some there's a lot of different ones but the basic ones you want to have in your pantry would be like a um cold pressed extra virgin olive oil you want, that's probably the one that I use the most, extra virgin olive oil, E-V-O-O, okay? You can actually cook with it up to around 400 degrees, which is good news. Um, so I use it, it's the one I use the most, you know, for like lightly sauteing or maybe roasting some vegetables um, and drizzling on salads. I mean, we'll talk about salad dressings in a minute, but quite honestly, I don't use a lot of bottled salad dressings. I just grab olive oil and drizzle it on there. Okay. And when it comes to olive oil, the thing is, this is so sucky y'all, but they, there can be something that's labeled olive oil. It'll say olive oil on there, but it's been cut with vegetable oil. So it's partially vegetable oil, but as long as it's more olive oil than vegetable oil, they will label olive oil. And so here you think you could be, you know, doing something good for your body and ingesting these terrible oils that I'm telling you not to have. So quality is key. Um, when I'm looking for olive oil, I tend to, uh, well, I usually get like California ranch or there's a local Texas, um, olive oil maker. It's called Texas Olive Ranch that I've been ordering from. I really like them and their balsamic vinegars and their uh, their olive oils. But if you're at the store, you want to look for something that's in a, a dark a dark bottle, um, like a glass dark bottle. That would be a dark glass bottle. That would be ideal. Um, you know, all these oils, especially the vegetable oils, which is, I mean, we don't want to eat them anyway, but um, they are sensitive to light and to heat. That's why, you know, with like a, these oils, there's only a certain smoke point that they're safe to go up to. Um, but with the vegetable oils, they're very sensitive to light and heat and air. And so they're rancid before we're even getting started. They're inflammatory before you even pour a drop out of the bottle. But with extra virgin olive oil, um, to keep the quality really legit you want it in a dark glass bottle just kind of keep it protected from that light and of course you know glass is better than uh, than plastic so that would be ideal also um, other oils that I use are avocado oil that's also another good one for cooking at high heat or salad dressings for making mayonnaise 
Uh, most mayonnaise are made from soybean oil. Barf, gag, don't eat it. You want to get ones that are made with avocado oil, like um, Chosen Foods or Primal Kitchen are a couple brands that I use. Uh, coconut oil, extra virgin coconut oil is another one I keep on hand. And, you know, a lot of people will ask, what do you bake with if you're not using vegetable oil, you know? Um, and for the most part, I use butter or coconut oil or kind of a combination of both. You could also play with avocado oil as well. But typically I'm using butter or coconut oil for baking. And also, if you like those little sprays, if you like like Pam, don't get Pam. You can buy coconut oil or avocado or even olive oil um, sprays, or you can get a mister. They make those little misters where you can pour your own oil in there and then spray it yourself. So those are the primary oils I use. Of course, there are, you know, like a cold pressed sesame oil or a macadamia oil um, are nice also, but the ones I use the most, avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, and coconut oil. Okay vinegars, marinades, and dressings. Um, some good things to have in the pantry. Bragg's apple cider vinegar. Um, coconut aminos. So that's a good replacement for soy sauce. Um, and you can find that pretty much at most stores very easily now. Um, and that's, you know, if I'm making Asian flavored foods or I need a replacement for soy, I use coconut aminos. It's a little on the sweet side. You could also use organic tamari soy sauce if you, um, if you handle soy well. Um, there's a brand called Sanjay, Sanjay, which is organic, non-GMO, fermented, gluten-free. I mean, so if you're going to use soy, that's probably the best kind to get. Of course, having some white vinegar on hand, balsamic vinegar. Um, when it comes to salad dressings, the thing that you have to be aware of is the oils, y'all, because most salad dressings are made with the, uh, you know, these inflammatory oils, soybean, cottonseed, canola, um, all of those kinds of things. And so if you will look for salad dressings made with like avocado oil, or olive oil, that would be great. Um, there are some good brands are Primal Kitchen. Tessemaze is a pretty good brand. Uh, Chosen Foods salad dressings. And I just saw a new brand that I hadn't seen before called Fat and Happy. I found that when I was perusing grocery stores in Taos and um, Fat and Happy dressings. They're made with MCT oil. So that's cool too. When it comes to condiments and spices, um, I mentioned mayonnaise already. You want to find one made with avocado oil. Talk about inflammatory. If you're not, um, you want to look for a ketchup. You know, organic ketchup would be better and one made without high fructose corn syrup. All right. Uh, let's see. What else might you need to think about in here? Oh, uh, getting a good salt. That's always really important. And so the salts that I use, well, first of all, just please don't be afraid of using salt. You know, I mean, we need salt for a lot of things like balancing electrolytes and nourishing the adrenal glands and enhancing hydration and preventing muscle cramps, all of these things. But you want to choose salt that is clean and offers you some minerals. That traditional iodized table salt, you know, that comes in the blue canister, it does not do that. It has been highly processed, stripped of minerals. 
Um, and many, you know, just kind of these table salts are, have anti-caking agents and dextrose, which is sugar. They've been stripped of their natural trace minerals. And so that's not doing you any favors. Um, you want to get something like uh, Redmond Real Salt, which comes from a mine in Utah. It's unrefined and full of natural minerals. Or Celtic Gray Salt, which um, is also, you know, has minerals like calcium and magnesium. So those are the salts that I, I use. And, you know, I use them pretty liberally. I love salt. And sometimes I'll even add a pinch to my water to enhance hydration and electrolytes. You can make like some salty lemon or cucumber water. It sounds weird, but it's actually really good. And so if you need, um, need some electrolytes, that's a good, a good way to do it. Okay, other things that you want in your pantry, some good broths and soups. You know, um, love good bone broth, but if you're not, if you don't have time or in, your, in a pinch, you haven't made your own, then having some in the pantry is really key. And so if I'm, it depends on what I'm using it for. If I'm using it for cooking, I'm going to get just kind of some organic um, broth. But a lot of times I like it for sipping or using it where it's going to be a little bit more prevalent in a recipe. And I might use something like kettle and fire or bare bones, bone broth, or epic bone broth, or oh so good, something like that, like a good brand of those broths. Um, I always, you know, kind of keep those on hand. And a lot of those broth companies also make soups. So like the Kettle and Fire, they make some good soups and Primal Kitchen makes some good soups. And I've picked up some Amy's gluten-free organic soups before. So um, those are things I keep on hand. Um, a few canned and jarred goods I keep on hand would be like canned tomatoes, you know, organic canned tomatoes, you know, and if you can find BPA free cans, that would be uh, that would be better. You know, when it comes to food, fresh or frozen is best. So don't rely on canned foods if you don't have to. But you know, a few things to keep cans and jars to keep in there would be like canned tomatoes, spaghetti sauce, you know, make sure it doesn't have unhealthy oils or high fructose corn syrup, like rouse is a really good option. Um, some other things like canned I keep in there for sure is like canned fish, like wild caught salmon, tuna, and sardines. So I like, I love Tonino's tuna in a jar. That's one of my go-to. If I, I'm going to be on the road, I'll grab a jar of tuna and eat that really high in protein and delicious. I also buy the safe catch brand of tuna at Costco and I'll buy the seasoned brand of wild caught, wild caught sardines at Costco. I know I told y'all like I didn't like sardines till much later in life. But I want to tell you not to assume that your kids won't like them. One of my kids, well, one of my kids loves them. Another kid will eat them one will not but isn't that how it goes, right? But you know, I kind of would assume they would not because I didn't but my friend Erin says she loved growing up eating sardines. And so I was like, really? <laughs> wow. Okay. But anyway, one of my kids loves them, so he will ask for them. So just, you might want to have those on hand. Um, and then also, you know, we'll keep some organic applesauce and fruit cups on hand. All right, nuts and seeds and nut butters and all that good stuff. When it comes to this, the fresher the better. Okay, nuts from the bins, those bins that you find at the grocery store, you know, those could be around there for a while. It just depends how long they've been sitting around there because, um, you know, nuts can go rancid 
if they are sitting around too long. So they're better stored in the fridge or the freezer and you want to, you know, eat them within a reasonable time. I wouldn't be getting huge, you know, nuts or nut butters in bulk unless you go through them pretty rapidly. But again, we need to keep nuts at a fairly proportional, uh, in a, a reasonable proportion, portion size. Remember that in nature, we find nuts and seeds typically in a shell. And if you had to deshell them all yourself, you would give up pretty quickly, right? Because it's kind of a pain. But when they're already shelled for you or in a nut butter, it's just so easy to mow them down. And that's not really how we're supposed to go about it when it comes to nuts. Um, just very, you know, small portions, a little goes a long way. They're very nutrient dense. They can be hard on the gut if you eat too many. Another thing you got to be aware of with nuts is that they should not be roasted or processed in, um, in any of those bad oils. It's pretty common. If you flip over a bag of nuts, it'll be like roasted in cottonseed oil. Put that back, girl. Um, some of the nuts will be used in palm oil, and palm oil is actually fine. Okay, if you're looking for a nut butter, you know, I know a lot of the, the peanut butters that I pick up from my family have palm oil. That's okay. Um, so, you know, enjoy a variety of nuts and seeds. Just keep portion under control. You know, in Feast of Fast, I tell my Feast of Fasters a quarter cup a day or two tablespoons of a nut or seed butter, either or. And you don't want to go much above that in a day's time. There's also some, you know, something like a sunflower seed butter is a good alternative to peanut butter if you cannot do peanuts. Um, and then my kids also love Justin's hazelnut butter, which is a good alternative to Nutella. Just a little bit cleaner. They like to put that on a rice cake for a snack. So there you go. And like I said earlier, you know, trail mix is also another one of the other snacks my kids like, it's so easy to make, honestly, and the quality control is so much better because you can buy, you know, buy the nuts and know they're not roasted in these gross oils, which a lot of the pre-made trail mixes are, have these, you know, inflammatory oils in them, but you could roast the nuts yourself and then add some dried fruits or chocolate chips. That's typically what we do and it'd be quite tasty. Um, okay, other very important pantry staple would be uh, coffee and maybe tea if you're a tea person. When it comes to coffee, coffee is one of the most pesticide things too. And so you really want to step it up. I mean, if coffee is something you're going to drink every single day, then it is worth buying high quality. And so organic, you know, you, you need to step up to organic if you're going to drink it every single day. So I would look for that first and foremost, look for an organic coffee at your store. Um, some things that I can find are Cafe Altura, uh, Rudamaya, like I found that at Costco and Grind the Beans, Bulletproof, Chameleon, Cold Brew. Um, here lately, I've actually been drinking some mushroom coffee from Four Sigmatic and it's pretty tasty. It's really good. So those are some coffee ideas, you know, herbal teas. There's some good herbal teas out there, like traditional medicines is a good brand. The yogi tea is a good brand um, if you prefer tea. If you're going to go for decaffeinated coffee, 
you want to look for organic again organic decaf would be better but something that is swiss water processed which means that it doesn't use chemical solvents to decaf the coffee okay because otherwise when they're decaffeinating it they will use these chemicals to do that and and then of course that's being passed on to you so you do not want that okay um when it comes to coffee creamers things you put in your coffee like i said i use the aroise coconut milk that is pretty much my go-to but sometimes i'll change it up um, i might use like a vital proteins collagen creamer i've used the layered coconut powder creamer i've used the karma cafe keto creamer which is also a powder and then i know um, nut pods are a favorite for a lot of people and they're okay you know it's kind of like the almond milk situation it's there are some things that aren't perfect in there but for the most part it's okay i'm not nut pads aren't for me they're just it's they're too like watery like i need it thick if i'm gonna put it in there you know so that's why i like that aroy d coconut milk it's so thick it's more like a heavy whip or a half and half or something like that okay um let's see whole grains so when it comes to whole grains you know like in feast to fast in week two we call them the whole food carbs it is things like rice quinoa oats beans lentils stuff like that and they're fine to add in your diet if your body can handle them a lot a lot of people cannot tolerate them and you may be one of them and maybe not even realize it until you take it out okay um i did a whole podcast actually so i'm not going to go too much into this if you haven't listened to insider secrets to eating grains and legumes then go listen to that um because i go into all of this and i for time's sake, I don't want to repeat it here. But just know, uh, just a few key things to remember is that number one, they're very carby, which is fine if you love them and you don't mind them in your carb load. Um, another thing is, like I said, they can be inflammatory because they're not properly, a lot of people don't properly prepare them. Okay, a lot of people were into these quick cooking oats and beans and quinoa and stuff like that. And that is not, they are meant to be cooked in a longer process and a longer way to cook out some of the anti-nutrients that would block your body's ability to absorb minerals, certain minerals and vitamins. Okay, and so, um, but if you're stocking your pantry, then the, the kind of rice that I buy is white basmati rice from India. And that's very specific, isn't it? <laughs> and that is because I read in The Plant Paradox from Dr. Gundry that that kind of rice it has the least, allowed, least amount of lectins, which is one of those anti-nutrients that can block absorption of minerals. And it's also high in resistant starch, which is good for feeding our gut bacteria. So that's why I buy that. Um, with oats, then I'm gonna buy gluten-free steel cut or whole rolled oats, and I'm actually gonna cook them for a while. I'm not gonna get like the, snap it in the microwave for a minute. You know, that's, 
the quicker you can cook it, the the less healthy it is for you. Um, and then some other things we're going to keep in there. Quinoa is not going to be in my pantry because I personally don't care for it, but it might be in yours. That is one that you are going to want to um, prepare in a pressure cooker to help remove some of the an the inflammatory anti-nutrients. Um, lentils, beans, again, beans the same way. Like when you flip it over and it says you should soak it for 24 hours, you should soak it for 24 hours. I know there's a quick cook method, but um, ideally you soak it to help your body utilize it better and not utilize it in a way that is offensive to your family, if you get my drift. Okay, so those are kind of some um, pantry staples. You know, when it comes to wheat, wheat products, you know, again, I just don't recommend wheat or gluten generally. I know some people can handle it, but it is just systemically inflammatory. And I don't really know many people that are like, I'm in perfect health and I don't have one problem. My skin is perfect. My belly is perfect. I don't have joint pain. I don't have migraines. Everything is perfect. <laughs> I don't know anybody like that, actually. And so anytime I'm working with a client or just, you know, a friend you know, I'm giving them some advice. I'm like, if you haven't gone gluten-free, like given it a solid go, that is absolutely where I would start. And so, you know, the thing is, it's just so inflammatory due to the gliadin protein that's in it, the wheat germ, agglutinin, agglutinin, I can't ever say that word right, in it. There's the presence of glyphosate in it. Um, there's just so many things that it can aggravate, like intestines and joints and, you know, headaches and your skin and your brain focus and any kind of nervous system situation or disorder that you might have going. It is just problematic. So I avoid wheat. Um, I think, you know, at a, at a minimum, we know that it compromises the gut lining and really contributes to leaky gut. I think a lot of the problem is that so many of us have compromised gut bacteria, you know, due to all the antibiotics we've taken in our lives and all of these other things we've put in our body, pesticides and, you know, overdoing sugars and stuff that, you know, we just have this bacterial imbalance that also makes it hard for us to uh, utilize wheat and gluten well. So, I just avoid wheat in general, and I would recommend that you do the same. Okay, so we talked about all those things. Okay, so let's just go into some baking staples then, and we'll kind of uh, we'll kind of wrap it up there. Baking staples again. You know, I don't use wheat flour. If you really want information on wheat, read Wheat Belly. Um, it's one of the first books I read even before I became a nutritionist. That's one of the things that, you know, led me here on my journey. It was a book recommended to me by my nutritionist just before I even thought about ever becoming a nutritionist. And so I read that and I was like, wowzers. Um, but you know, one thing that Dr. Davis does say in there, um, is that gluten-free products are not healthy either. 
So there is that. So just because something's gluten-free doesn't mean it's healthy. I'm telling you that because we're about to talk about gluten-free flours. <laughs> so, um, but just know that. But I, I think that's a pretty, that's a, a book that can really change your mind about wheat and at least motivate you to try a wheat-free, gluten-free elimination challenge. Okay. But so the flours that we use around here, are I've kind of come to the point where I'm mostly if I'm going to bake something I'm mostly using a gluten-free baking blend flour um, you know years back I used a lot of almond flour and coconut flour and I've just for one it kind of goes back to that idea of the almond flour okay the almonds it's just not natural to eat so many nuts in one sitting. So, you know, there's that. That's a lot of it right there. I just, I think that it's just too much nut gut, you know? And so I don't use too much of almond flour anymore. And then I use a lot of coconut flour. Coconut flour is kind of funky to bake with. I mean, you have to use like a billion eggs per, you know, half cup of or quarter cup of coconut flour and then it's coconutty tasting in the right context those are fine um, and I might even do like a gluten-free flour and then and then cut it with some almond flour you know I might do a little mix like that but here's the other thing is that over the years and I've tried to you know use these almond flours and coconut flours and I would make stuff with them and then my kids would be like uh, no I don't like this <laughs> and so I would be like, well, this is all, this is all you get is this coconut flour muffin or almond flour, you know, whatever treat. And, and I was baking all the time because I was like, these are good. It's coconut flour. It's almond flour. It's fine. So I was baking a lot more because I was like, well, it's better for you. But then my kids didn't really love it. And so guess who ate it? Yeah, me, me. I would eat it. And so I've just kind of decided where I'm at now is that I don't need to be baking that much, number one. And number two, if I'm going to bake something gluten-free, you know, I really want it to taste good. <laughs> I'm going to bake less, but when I do, I'm going to use a gluten-free baking flour blend um, that is going to get as close to what I'm looking for as possible, you know, whether it's a cake or a bread or a muffin, and then be satisfied with that and be done. Like get my fix, whatever it may be, and then be done with it. Instead of cooking with or baking with almond flour and coconut flour all the time and in my mind thinking, oh, this is better, this is fine because it's these healthier flours. Does that make sense? I don't even know if this is making sense to you. Just generally, I was just over baking too much because I thought it was better because I was using these, you know, these healthier flours. But I, you know, I was overeating it. We didn't need that many baked goods. My kids were just kind of, eh, you know, whatever about it. And so I just decided to bake less, but use the flours that are getting a little bit closer to the, the treat that I'm wanting. Okay. So that said, I still have almond flour in my pantry. I still have coconut flour in my pantry. I have some cassava flour in my pantry. Um, it's pretty starchy um but you know that can be a good one too but for the most part if i'm gonna make something i'm using a gluten-free 
baking blend. Um, as far as sweeteners go, you know, always have some raw honey uh, or real maple syrup. So, you know, bees and trees, those are sweets, you know, the real way God made it. Um, molasses is a good thing to keep in there. Um, molasses is kind of a, a an un not undiscovered, but just underused, I guess, a sweetener. Um, that's a good one to, to have. Dates. I have dates in there. You can make some things with dates. Uh, organic coconut sugar. Sometimes I'll use organic cane sugar as well. Those would be kind of all the, the real sugars that I have. And then I, but I also keep some of the alternative sugars like stevia and monk fruit in there. Um, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. You know, sometimes my kids, their little radar will go up like, this tastes funky. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't bake with those a whole lot. Again, I'm just kind of at the place and decided if I'm going to bake, I'm going to go for it and be satisfied and, you know, just not make it a heck yeah. Make it a heck yeah. Upgrade it as much as I can. Make it a heck yeah. Love it. Enjoy it. And then that's it. So... Um, but when it comes to sweeteners, yeah, you need to throw out the artificial sweeteners. Like you don't want sweet and low and, um, equal and what's the other one? Um, it's the yellow, the yellow package with sucralose. I can't even think of the proper name for it, but anyway, you don't want that either. Okay. Those are, um, not the cleanest artificial sweeteners. Uh, they're very artificial. And even though they might not have any calorie content to them, they can still trigger cravings and weight gain. And they are not good for your brain, your liver, or your gut bacteria. Okay, so stick with the real, the real sweeteners, or if you are going to go alternative, do something like stevia or monk fruit. All right. And then just a few other things. Um, that I have in the pantry, I always have unsweetened cocoa powder in there. Um, it's better to get something that is um, non-alkalized and that is not Dutch processed. Okay, there's a brand called Dagoba and that's non-alkalized and it retains the health benefits of the polyphenols, which is, you know, one thing we're looking for in chocolate. When they say chocolate's a healthy food, it's got some polyphenols in there. And so, you know, we use unsweetened cocoa powder a lot. You know, I will do it in the sneaky chocolate smoothie. I make it in that chocolate pudding I make for my kids for breakfast. Um, the dairy-free, you know, the chocolate Y'all probably seen me post that on um, social media a lot. I'm like, yes, chocolate pudding for breakfast. It's made with like avocado and banana and a little almond milk and um, the cocoa powder and sweetened cocoa powder. And so anyway, they love it. It's good. So that would be something. We always also have Enjoy Life chocolate chips in our pantry. And just today, actually, I put chocolate chips in my kids' lunch for their sweet. Just a little, little handful goes a long way, you know, you, they eat them one by one, eat them slow, and it, it's a nice little sweet snack. And um, those are dairy free, soy free and nut free. So they're kind of allergen free, which is good for people that need that. Okay, let's see, where are we on time? Holy guacamole is an hour and 10 minutes. Okay, I better stop there. I cannot keep you here all day. I'm sorry. <laughs> that I've 
<laughs> kept you here this long. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to put in your pantry and your fridge. Um, in the show notes and in the blog post, I have bar, you know, different bars, um, chips, crack, you know, some crackers, tortillas, wraps, some bread ideas. Um, so you can go and look at that. I think we covered the most important things today. We're, we're starting to get into carb land, which is not the most ideal, you know, for your pantry, but I'm realistic and, you know, I have children's and so we have that stuff and we eat that stuff and we just try to make the best choices that we can. And so remember that, you know, I'll just kind of circle back to where we started at this is that your health, your body composition, the way that you look, you know, is created in your kitchen. The more you're cooking for yourself, the more quality control that you have. Um, you know, and it's not, it is about, it's about health, it's about weight, and it's about inflammation. One of the first things that when people clean up their diet, it's just like, they lose, it's like five pounds of puffiness, <laughs> you know, it is just, they let go of all that water they were retaining, they just let go of that, um, just a lot of that toxicity they were holding on to, and just that alone can change, well, for sure, it's going to change the way you feel, but it can change the way you look really rapidly when you remove the inflammatory foods and keep it, um, you know, keep it as close to real and upgraded as possible. So I hope this was helpful. And I hope it didn't tuck your ear off. And um, go to the notes, the blog post, so that you can find all of this stuff totally laid out. As always, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your listening. Have a healthy and blessed week. And I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.